0: Write down the revelation. And uh, as we will see, God has committed Himself to each and every one of us through His Word. I want to read from the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Habakkuk is one of the uh, prophets in the back of the Old Testament. And the Bible says here, The Lord replied, Write the revelation, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Okay, so Habakkuk was asking God some questions and when he got the answer, God said, write down the answer, write down the revelation and make it plain so that it can be distributed, it can be going into different places. Psalms, chapter 43, verse 3, the Bible reads here, Send forth your light and truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. What a powerful word. And uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 27, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for this privilege for us to come together as the family of God, Lord, come together and meet with you at your table, Lord, the table where your word is coming forth to us. And we just pray, Lord, may you meet us at a point where we have questions, like Habakkuk, where we have needs, Lord, and where the needs need to be resolved in our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence, and may your word feed us spiritually, and build us up in our innermost life. To you be the glory and the honor. Amen. So my subject today is write down the revelation. You see, God is not just talking once in a while, and uh, sometimes maybe saying something which he then changes later on, you know we see so many so many uh, religions have got this kind of of uh, way of operation uh, sometimes we have got people who call themselves prophets who say something and tomorrow they are changing the whole story. Uh, when God is giving us a promise, he is committing himself to that promise and he is commanding the people who he gives a true revelation that they should write it down. That's why we have scripture, that's why we have the Bible, okay? God has committed himself to his words, okay? So God will not change things anyhow and you know sometimes you have people who are saying God has changed his mind uh, because they have got a, a new type of revelation. Actually, God does not change his mind. God will always be truthful, will always be in line with what he has said. He will not contradict himself. So the one who is proclaiming a new message or the one who is proclaiming that God has changed his mind actually is a false prophet, okay? Because that is not what God does. In fact, from the very beginning, God had things written down. Okay, when Moses went up to the mountain and he was given... Uh, uh, um, uh, an amazing insight in the life uh, that was unfolding for Moses in the presence of God, you know, because Moses could understand life in a very different way when he was with God. God had him write down the Ten Commandments, or God himself wrote down the Ten Commandments on the tablets. Moses was on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights, no eating, no drinking. And naturally, this is impossible. So in other words, God fed him supernaturally. He was in the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, your body is taken care of. You don't have to worry about anything. That's amazing when we just think about it. Now, God gave us everything he desired for our good in writing. okay. So God gave us a covenant, like we have been reading here. Exodus chapter 34, verse 27 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, write down these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So in other words, God is a God of covenants. He's not just making empty promises. He's not just saying things that he forgets in a few weeks' time. But he's a God of activity. And writing, it means that we want to carry a message. Okay, well, many of us, we have got <clears throat> a lot of stories to tell, isn't it? And, you know, some of us, we are very, very loud. We can be talking and, uh, you know, have stories one after the other. But if you don't write them down... It will just be heard at that very moment in time, and it will not go anywhere else. So God didn't want just Moses to hear what he had to say. He didn't just want uh, the people who were living at the time of Moses to hear what God was saying. He wanted us today to hear what God is saying. Okay? You know, we have come many generations afterwards. We have come at a time... None of us has has had even a a remote uh, contact to Moses or the the people of Israel that lived in the next or the generation after. And yet, we have all that God said because it is written down. And that's what is so important. You know, that we understand that God is committing himself through the written word. So what is written down can be easily carried by messengers, by heralds. You know, this is what God said to Habakkuk. The answer that Habakkuk was looking for and eventually got from the Lord because God answered him was not just a word for Habakkuk alone. It was a word for all of the people that God loves. And that's why he made it very clear, you know, that he needed to write down that revelation so that any messenger, any heralds, anybody who was able to pick it up could be able to take it to the whole world. And that's what God has done. You know, he has taken his word around the world. In fact, the Bible is still the bestseller number one. There's no other book which has been printed and sold <clears throat> in the numbers uh, that the Bible has been printed and you know, either sold or distributed. Not even close. So we can see God was very intentional when he was having people write down his word. Why do we have all of these words here, you know? When God called a prophet... And there are a number of prophets in scripture, you know, of course, we know Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel and others, you know, they were all told to write down what God gave them. That's why we have it, okay? When you look into uh, the New Testament, many times uh, Paul said, I write this to you with my own hand." okay? Because he wanted the message not just to be heard Uh, by the people he was with, but by the people in other areas and even in other generations. And for sure, it has come to our generation as well. In the book of Revelation, we have Jesus speak to John and he said a number of times, you know, he was talking, he had a message to different churches in Asia Minor and every time God said, write, this down and send it to that particular church in Asia Minor. Okay, so God is intentional. He has a message, and he wants the message to be be heard. So God does not condone a flurry of uh, false messengers and uh, people who are uh, just propagating something that is not in his word. Okay, this is what the Bible calls false prophets. And they were actually found, if you go into the Old Testament, you find many of those false prophets. But those false prophets are not in Scripture. God was watching over his word that only those true prophets of God, <clears throat> only those words that God himself had spoken would be part of the, what we call the canon of the, of the Scriptures. That means the, the, the 66 books of the Bible. <clears throat> and that's amazing, okay? It's not that these were the only books. There were many other things that were uh, flying around. But God made sure that what he said will be preserved. <clears throat> God's word is uh, eternal <clears throat> and is not subject, and must never be subject to contemporary adjustments, okay? And I, I have heard people say, okay, this is, this is now uh, for our time, you know. Like somebody said, no, uh, the Apostle Paul did not know that. He was, he was uh, living in another time, but we have got this knowledge. In fact, <clears throat> if anybody had a greater knowledge than most of us ever, it was the Apostle Paul, whom God himself took into the wilderness and taught. You know, he was spending time with Jesus not when Jesus was walking on the earth, because he was not there. At that time, he was still far from the Lord. But later on, he was taken into uh, the wilderness. And God t- took time to prepare him, to transform him, to make him the kind of vessel that he wanted him to be. And gave him a revelation that even the other apostles that were with the Lord never got So, you know, you cannot say God has changed his mind. No, he hasn't. The mind of God is in his word, okay? He has written down what he desires. He has written down his thoughts about you and me and about the future of uh, his wonderful plans. And that's why we are never in doubt of what the plans of God are. We must not be in doubt. Now let me read for you uh, a few verses from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35. Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 1 says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocuses. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say today those who are, have a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sun will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the horns where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. Now, you may wonder, what, what uh, does this scripture have to do with us today? You know, what is this scripture actually expressing? What this scripture is actually expressing is what is going to happen when the word of God is going to be pre- pre- preeminent in a situation. Okay. The, the Bible talks about the desert, the parched land, the wilderness, and whatever the case may be, you know, when we were far from God, we were like a wilderness, we were like a desert, we were like a parched land. We couldn't bear any fruit for God. Okay, we, we had fruit, but it was nothing to boast about. It was negative stuff. <clears throat> but when the word of God comes, Everything is going to change. And this is why God wants us to read his word. You know, God never left us in the dark about his will. He revealed himself. And as, as we study, as we read, as we listen to the word of God, we are going to see transformation happening. You know, the greatest, the greatest force of transformation is the word of God. <clears throat> okay, people in the world may not see that. Okay, they may think, you know, transformation comes because we are living in a modern age, because at one time we have, uh, we have been able to introduce the locomotive or the, the steam engine, <clears throat> or later on the petrol engine, diesel engine, you know, all this brought a lot of transformation in our world. But, these are just technology stuff, you know? This cannot really affect your innermost being. What can affect your heart, your life, your hope, your dreams? Your destiny is the word of God. And this is what this word tells us here very, very clearly, okay? When you feel like you're dried up, let the word of God come to you and everything will blossom again. It's just like, you know, after the rainy season, you know, just just a few drops are enough and you see everything becoming green, isn't it? In a very short time, things are springing forth, coming into being. And I think this is what we must understand. God has a wonderful way in bringing life into situations of of fruitlessness, of darkness, of hopelessness. And that's exactly what this word talk about, talks about. It's a word of God that opens our eyes. Okay? You know, when we don't know God, we are blind to God. We may be able to see the things that, that are in the natural world, but we don't see the things in the spiritual world. But when we listen to the word of God, it will open blind eyes. Of course, Jesus demonstrated that even in the natural, but it is even more true in the spiritual realm, because you know without seeing through the eyes of God through His word, we cannot see the reality of God. And you know everything that I've <clears throat> read here in these few verses, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The mute tongue will shout for joy. The streams will flow in the desert and uh, the burning sand, you know, desert is very, very dry and the uh, desert is a place where if you don't have water, you can die. But God says the desert, the burning sand can become streams of water. That's amazing. So God's word <clears throat> is able to transform situation. We have been reading Psalm 43 and the Bible says he sends forth his light and truth that guide us. Okay, how does God's light and truth come to us? It comes through the word. Okay, that is the avenue that God has chosen to give us light, to give us his truth and this is how he guides us. In the Psalm 119, verse 105, I think we all remember, we all know that God is saying that he will give us light on the way. He gives us his, his illumination on our path. And that's what we require. That's what we need. So light and truth will come through the word of God. And so, let me just go through this quickly, you know, every one of us needs guidance. Okay, when we are young, our parents guide us, okay? When we are getting older, we are getting, you know, instructions that are going to guide us, hopefully, if we are able to listen and obey. As we are getting older, we need to give ourselves a certain, you know, uh, framework of value, a value system And that can guide us. But, you know, whatever values we have, if we don't have God's word, we will not really be guided in the right way that we need to find. God has given us his word to guide us, his light and his truth. And this light and truth, this word of God, the Bible says, let them bring me to your holy mountain, okay? What is the holy mountain? That is to the place where you dwell, okay? So in other words, that God, that the word of God brings us into the presence of God. You know, some times you have heard people saying, God is so far away. Or maybe you even have confessed to yourself, God is, is just not listening to me. He's so far away. You know why he's far away? because you're not giving the word of god a chance to bring you close the word of god brings you onto the place where god dwells okay the bible compares it with a mountain the mountain of god you know like like uh, uh, moses went up to the mountain he met god there you don't have to climb a literal mountain but when when uh, you allow the word of god to speak to you you guide to guide you you know you actually come To this mountain of God, you know, where the presence of God dwells. And then you will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. You see, this is the next step. When you come into the presence of God, even if you are downcast before, even if you have a lot of confusion about what life is going to be about around you, you know, when you come into the presence of God, the outlook changes. And the Bible says, you know, you are my joy. You are my delights. And you know, delight means to lighten the burden. Okay? You have delight, you know, when you are happy, when you are rejoicing. And the delight means <clears throat> that the burden is lifted. Too many times, we are carrying burdens that we should not carry. You know, there's this famous song that we sing, because we do not not come to the Lord in prayer. That's why we are carrying too many burdens. And, you know, it's true, we, we, we need to be guided, not just in prayer alone, but prayer and the word. Okay, it's the word of God that leads us into his presence. When we are in his presence, we find encouragement, we find joy, we find... <clears throat> so I will praise you with the heart, my, my, O oh God, my God. Okay? True worship must flow from the, from the very Word of God. You know, when we spend time in the Word of God, when we are guided by, by the Word of God into His presence, then We can be able to praise God, we can be able to worship God, and it will be a delight to do that. Then you may ask the question, like Psalm 43 verse 5 says here, why are you downcast, O my soul? You know, it's like, hey, this thing should be a thing of the past. You were downcast before you came on that journey that the Word of God was guiding you, but now there is no need to be downcast anymore. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And it's easy to praise God when you are in his presence. It's easy when you are guided by the word of God into a place where God dwells. Then you can be able to praise him. Then your worries... Your burden will be just turned around. And that's when you can say, why should I be downcast? Why should my soul be, you know, in this trouble that I have been in? And you know, too many times we are in such trouble just because we are not guided by the light and by the truth of the word of God that God has promised us is going to guide us. Amen? I want to show you the importance of the written word. Let me just read a passage of scripture from the book of Luke, chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. Okay. Many times we overlook introductions because we think, ah, it's just an introduction. Okay. I know a lot of people, they don't read introduction or foreword of any book. They just jump immediately to chapter 1 or chapter 5 okay, depending on what they are looking for. But sometimes introductions are important because it gives you a foundation. It it gives you, you know, something that is essential, foundational. And uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 1 says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled amongst us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first... From the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Okay, take note here. Servants of the word, okay? God has given us his word and there are servants that are carrying the word, messengers of God. Okay, so Luke says that he has heard a lot of things and there are many who have been given an account and they have been drawing up these uh, eyewitnesses. And then it says, "Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Te- Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught." Okay, so uh, Luke, Luke was a doctor. Okay. And you can be sure that he was a well-trained per- person uh, who was uh, uh, understanding things, not just from the, from the point of view of the natural, but also from the medical point of view. And because he was a child of God, because he was a follower of Jesus, he was able to see things with a spiritual eye, with, with, with understanding from above. And he says these very important things that I think we need to take Heed to. You know, God inspired Luke to write an orderly account of the gospel. Okay, we know there is the gospel of Matthew. There's the gospel of Mark. There's the gospel of John. And by the way, there were many other accounts where people had undertaken to write some kind of, apost- some kind of gospels. But God wanted us to hear the account of Luke. OK, Luke, the doctor, Luke, the uh, academician, God wanted us to hear from him. You know, uh, Bassus was writing primarily to the people of Israel, uh, highlighting many times uh, the back story from the Old Testament. Mark was having a very uh, active gospel. You know, he, he was speaking from the perspective of Christ being a worker. Okay, and that's why it is short, you know, he doesn't go into many details, but he brings the essential uh, things across. And John, of course, had a very intimate view of Christ. In fact, John does not have many of the stories that all the other Gospels have, or some of the other Gospels have, because he is mainly talking about the dialogue, or the, the preaching, the, the word that Jesus was speaking to him or to the disciples together. So each one of the gospel has got a different purpose. And God inspired Luke to write down an account of Jesus. And many of the things we would not know if it was not for John to do a research and write it down, write his findings down and and give us that account. So Luke wrote to Theophilus. Now, Theophilus, that's a name of a person, isn't it? But it's a very interesting name. You know, the name, or what Theophilus means is that this is the beloved of God, or somebody who loves God. So he might be, or he might have been an individual, but imagine Luke writing all this gospel for one person. But that person is you, it's me. It's all of us. Everyone who loves the Lord, everyone who is beloved of the Lord is a recipient of that powerful account of the Gospel of Luke. So the message of Jesus is being carried in writing. And I want to just read a few verses from from, uh, within the book of Luke, chapter 12 and 27. So Luke doesn't just give us You know, uh, the, the, the timeline of Jesus. He went from this place to this place, and then he went there and there. No, he actually has a lot of writings about what Jesus said. And in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 27, we read, consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, in all his splendor, if God is closing the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow it's thrown into the fire, how much more will he close you or you of little faith? Okay, so he speaks to people who have doubts, who are driven from one wind to the other, you know, who are back and forth every time, now and then. And then he says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Of course, we all need to eat and drink. But Jesus says, do not worry about it. For the pagan runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and and, and these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Okay? Jesus explains uh, a lot of details, and, you know, these few verses is just... uh, an extract of a longer chapter, but what God wants us to understand is that he knows our situation. You know, we are so valuable to God. I mean, look, he says, look at the lilies, how they grow, and and God closes them beautifully. They're only here for a very short time, and they're gone, and that's true for all of the flowers. Look at these flowers, all these different colors. It's wonderful, okay? God put all the effort into the variety of plants and flowers that we have in this world. But then he says, you are of greater worth than these things. He also reminds us about the birds who are not going to sow and never going to reap. This is the very message that Luke desires to give to Theophilus the man who loves God and is beloved by God. He wants him to understand you are not alone in this world, but God is there for you. And that's why he wrote down this account. That's why there is a book of Luke in the Bible, okay? Because God wants to share this message with us. And he tells us in no uncertain terms that we should focus on our father who knows what we need. You know, the Bible tells us that even before we call, he knows our need. You know, sometimes we are frantically trying to convince God that he should do do one thing or the other for us, and yet God is not unaware of our situation. He's not unaware of what we are passing through in our lives. God loves us. God is favorably disposed towards us. And that's why he has given us the account of scripture. Okay, that's why he said time and again from Moses to many others, write down the revelation I've given to you. Because this revelation is not just for you alone. It is for the others who are coming later on. It's for us too. You know, if we didn't have the written word, what would we, what would we talk about? You know, if we would have just from here say, you know, there was there was a person who was called Jesus and he was called the son of God, but otherwise we would not know the truth. We we, we would be fleeting, would not be sure. No, God wants us to know. And know with a sure foundation of his word. His word is building our faith. Okay, Jesus says, you of little faith. You know, you're worrying so much. And God says, I'm giving you my word so that your faith is no longer little faith, but that you are able to build your faith. Okay, our faith is meant to grow. It's meant to become stronger and stronger. You know, in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says, we should no longer be children who, which are tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine. How is that possible? I'll show you. It is possible, but only when we are sure about our foundation, the word of God. So God is building his word into our life, and that gives us strength in any situation that we are going to find ourselves in because we should know that God cares for us that God knows our need because he said so, okay? So why should we doubt him? He said it. And then he said, that's why you should seek his kingdom first, okay? His kingdom and his righteousness should be number one priority in our life, and you know, very often it is not. Because we are not so sure whether that is sufficient for us to make a living in this world. And that's why we load so many troubles upon our shoulders. Because we do things that Jesus said, leave it to the Father. Okay? I'm not saying we should be lazy. No, that's not what I'm saying. But we should not worry. We should leave things in the hands of God. We should do our best. And then we should trust God that he will work it out. And the Bible says... The Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. It is written. Okay. Remember, what is written is very powerful. When the devil comes to you and doubts, you know, or or he's trying to do it with Jesus, so he will do it with all of us, are you really the son of God? And of course, Jesus answered him, it is written. You know what made Jesus powerful and strong was the foundation that he had in the word of God. Jesus knew the word. And let me tell you, Jesus studied the word. You know, when Jesus was a, a young boy, you know, even before he was uh, reaching the age of 12, he studied the word of God. Okay, at that time, of course, there was the Old Testament. But it was a requirement for every Jewish child to learn the scriptures. To understand the Torah, the five books of, 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 of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. So Jesus knew them. He knew the word of God very well. He he had studied the written account. And that's how he came to discover who he really was. That's how he understood God speak to him. You are the son of the living God. Okay? And when you read the word of God, when you understand that which is written and you, you really take your time in reading and studying the word, then you will know who you are. And whenever somebody is going to bring doubt to you, you can say it is written. And the Bible says that God will give us his kingdom. So in other words, there is not any question mark behind that. There are exclam- exclamation marks. Uh, Not one one or two of them, but several of them. This is God's word. The Father has been pleased to give us the kingdom. Praise God. So what has not yet happened is going to happen. And you should have faith in God that God will bring it to pass. That's why we should learn that we do not set our hearts on what the world is interested in. You know, what is important to the world, that we should put our hearts on our father who takes care, really important. You know, this is how we can learn uh, to become stable in in our spiritual life. How we can be able to avoid to be pushed back and forth by every wind that blows in this world. And I think this is one of the problems that we see today that a lot of people are saying all kind of things that are completely out of context from the word of God. Joshua chapter 18 verse eight. <clears throat> you see, all of these things are written for our goods. All of these things are written so that we are in the know, okay, so that we are not being pushed around by the forces of darkness, but that we can stand and say, it is written okay Joshua chapter 18 verse 8 the Bible says here as the men started on their way to map out the land Joshua instructed them okay let me give you a background to that Uh, as you know the people of Israel were promised a land that God was going to give to them a land in which was flowing milk and honey God spoke about that Over and over again. When they were even still in Egypt and on their way to the promised land, God spoke to it again and again because he wanted to build their faith. Okay? And that's why God is giving us those promises that he speaks to us again and again because he wants to build our faith. He doesn't want to address us and say, oh, you of little faith. He wants to really see that our faith is growing. And our faith can only grow through the word of God. So the people of Israel finally, after 40 years, you know, there was a new generation. And after 40 years, they came out of the wilderness and entered into the promised land. OK, then they were there in the promised land. But somehow they got stuck. OK, they checked out. OK, where are the boundaries? What, are, what about the mapping of the land? So they wanted to find uh, the details of the, of the land. But somehow. They they didn't really have a a clear understanding. Then Joshua, guided by the, the Lord, was giving them an instruction. Okay, Joshua instructed them, go and make a survey of the land and write down the description of it. Make a survey of the land and write down the description of it. Every one of the 12 tribes got a certain piece of an inheritance. OK, some of them land. Uh, others, <clears throat> they were given the priesthood, like you know we are reading in scripture. Uh, but every one of the tribes had, a, had an inheritance. But then they had come into the land without really knowing what next. What are we going to do? How are we going to settle? And Joshua gave this instruction that make a survey of the land and write a description of it. Then return to me. <clears throat> And I will cast lots for you here at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord. So the men left and went through the land. They wrote its description on a scroll town by town in seven parts and returned to Joshua in the camp at Shiloh. Joshua then cast lots for them in Shiloh in the presence of the Lord. And there he distributed the land to the Israelites according to their tribal divisions. You see, God has given us a lot of promises. But sometimes we are just confused. Yeah, God has promised this. God has promised this. But maybe it's for this one or for, yeah, for somebody else. What about me? No, actually, God is giving you an instruction to survey your promise. Okay, survey the promises of God for your life. Survey your inheritance. Understand what has God said. Okay? And then write down these things. Don't try to remember because you will forget. Okay, our memory may be an amazing uh, tool that God has given to us, but uh, we we cannot remember things long term for, uh, you know, especially a lot of details. That's why we should write it down. You know, every good academician will tell you how important it is to write things down. Because actually it's not just for you to know, others should know also. Okay? So even if you are so good to keep everything in your head, it will not benefit your brother. It will not benefit the people around you. And that's why God says, write it down. You see, the reason why many of us are so unstable in our Christian walk with the Lord is because we are not sure. We have not really written down. We have heard promises. And it's just like the people of Israel. Yes, they had heard about a promised land. There were many good things that God had said along the way. But then, okay, they have arrived there. But they didn't really know where do we settle. What is mine or what is ours as a tribe or as an individual. And that's what we need to know. So God wants every one of us, to do a survey, okay, find out what has God given you as a promise. Okay? And when you have written it down, come back into the presence of the Lord because he will highlight, okay, now it's this, now it's that, now it's the other. Okay? And that will give us stability. You see, this is what God tells us even in the New Testament over and over again that we should not be pushed around by whatever happens whatever circumstances we are meeting by every wind of doctrine you know like children being tossed back and forth no we should be able to have a strong foundation and the strong foundation is the word of God that we internalize into our own lives and I think this is extremely important so the Israelites had a promise of God. Their, their tribes were given a certain allocation. Individuals got a certain allocation. For instance, there was Caleb who was given a promise that he was give, uh, be, be given a certain mountain and uh, of course he was, that was happening before the people of Israel rebelled and then he had to wait for 40 long years he was 45 when he got the promise for a certain, a certain mountain, a certain piece of land. And then when he was 85 and it finally ended the promised land, Caleb came and he says, I'm still as strong today with 85 as I was when I was 45. And I now come to claim my inheritance. Give me the mountain. And Joshua gave him the mountain and he went into and possessed it. Okay, a mountain, you know? I mean, when you are 85, you may not have uh, the the biggest desire to climb mountains. But Joshua, I mean, uh, Caleb, he had a desire to climb his mountain because he, he knew this is my inheritance. Okay? And so we must map out God's word. We must search the scriptures. We must find out what has God said. What is mine in Christ. And, of course, it will not be something that you will do in a, in a few minutes. It will take you days, weeks, months, even years. But God honors his word. Okay? And whatever God said, he will keep. That's why Jesus was able to say to Satan when he tempted him in the wilderness, it is written. And it settled it. And you know what? There was no further argument from the devil's side. When Jesus said, it is written, the devil had no more sin. And that is true for you and me as well. The reason why we are often pushed from one end to another, the reason why we are so often tempted in so many different ways is because we are not sure. We cannot say, it is written, God has promised me that, this is my allocation, this is my inheritance. You see, Caleb could come to Joshua and say, Joshua, give me my inheritance. And Joshua knew, yes, that was the promise, and he said, go and take it. And when you know your inheritance, You will be able to go and take it. So research the word of God. Just like Joshua told the people of Israel, go and make a survey of the land and write a description of it. Okay, what you write is very important. You can see God had his word written. That's why today we are able to have his word. That's why today this word can be preached. God had his word written through a man called Luke, Dr. Luke, and he did a careful search of everything that happened. He interviewed a lot of first-hand witnesses, eyewitnesses, in order to write an accurate account for all of us, and then, you know, as you look at this scripture, you see how God wants us to inherit his kingdom. Good and wonderful things are waiting for all of us. So Joshua is a forerunner of Christ. In fact, uh, we call Jesus, Jesus, because that's an English type of uh, expressing ourselves. Okay? In the Hebrew, he was called Jeshua, which is the same name like Joshua. Okay, Joshua. So, in fact, our Joshua, okay, the Joshua of the Old Testament who was leading the people of Israel, is a forerunner of the Joshua, or the Joshua, who is Christ. And he is instructing us, like Joshua in the Old Testament instructed his people, the New Testament, Joshua, is instructing us, make a survey. You know, find out your inheritance know what I have promised to you. Don't be ignorant about it, because that will give you stability. You will be able to turn around when anybody tempts you and say, shut up, because it is written, OK? And when you, when you tell the enemy it is written, the enemy has no argument. You know, there are a lot of people who are telling you stories of how you can fight the devil, you know, and you, 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 some people tell you you must write a message on your, the sole of your shoe so that you give a message to the devil and then you trample him. There's no such thing anywhere in the word of God, okay? There's no type of fist fight going on between the people of God and the devil, you know? One thing I can sh- I assure you, you will lose the battle against the devil if you are not grounded in the word of God, But if you know what God said, if you can tell him it is written, the devil cannot and will not argue. Okay? When Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's where the secret is. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The devil did not say, no, I think you didn't get that right. No, the devil knew exactly Jesus had it right. Okay? He was standing on the words that proceeded from the mouth of the Father. And that gave, that gave him the strength to, and, the, and the, the resolve to face Satan in any situation. It is written. And we need to know, just like Jesus, the son of the living God, knew his rights and his privileges and the promises. Of the word of God. So we need to know as well, because then we are going to be strong. Then we are going to defeat the powers of darkness around us. And you know, when we have written down and we come back into the presence of the Lord, God honors his word. Okay? God honors his word. And he says, Yes, this is what you should pursue. Come into the presence of God. And God will show you how it will pertain to your life. What will be first? What will be second? What will be third? So that we get the right sequence. That's why I write down all of my sermons. Okay? I'm not just coming here and speak for you half an hour or an hour. And then uh, after... Three days or four days, I've forgotten about it. Even if I forget, I can always go back and read. For 40 years, I've written all of my sermons. I've never preached without writing. <clears throat> and you know, you should learn to write. You know, if you do your, your, your uh, time of devotion and God speaks to you, and, and, and you are getting excited about something, write it down. You know, start a journal. Write it. And when next time you are down, go back to what God said, and get encouraged by the same word. So you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time, but you just go back and say, "Yes, God spoke to me. You go back, you'll find it, and you get encouraged. You get strong. And that's what God wants us to, to understand. OK? Writing is important. OK, every university lives from people who write. OK, many people think you go to university to learn. Actually, if you are really learning well, you become a writer. OK, that's why you cannot get a degree without writing and, and presenting that writing so that you can be assessed of whether you have been able to make the grade or not. But this is just copied from scripture. You understand? This is what scripture has been saying from way back all along. Okay, so Jesus has given us his written word and he writes constantly and continuously. Do you know that God is writing about our life? Okay, the Bible tells us there are books in heaven and there's also a book of life in which every name will be written, who believes in Christ as Savior and Lord. Let me read my last scripture today. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law, and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before, before the whole group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Okay, as you know, I've said this before. What, it, it's strange. Why, why do they call, catch one person in the act of adultery? Because for adultery, you need two. Okay, so in other words, there's already no... No equality. There's no righteousness here. Okay, so they're only interested in the, in the lady. Not in the man. I don't know. The man maybe was a very important man, so he, they let him go. <laughs> then they say, in the law of Moses, <clears throat> in the law of Moses commanded and uh, commanded us to stone such women. Why only women? Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap. Okay, so in other words, they were not interested in righteousness. They were not interested in really what would happen, you know, to the law, not to the law, the, 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 the woman uh, would, would subsequently get killed. You know, they were interested to set a trap for Jesus in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. This was in the temple, okay? There was no sand. Maybe there was dust. Or maybe it was clean, I don't know. But Jesus was writing, you know? He was not writing on paper. But you know, whenever Jesus writes, it is not just the question whether you can read it later on. It is written in heaven, okay? Because there are books in heaven where every detail of our life is written, okay? Even before we come into this world, as Psalm 139 tells us, there is a book that is written about us. And when we come, it will be compared whether we live according to the plan or not. Okay, so Jesus was bending down and he started to write on the ground with his finger, When they kept on questioning him, okay, they were shouting, oh, what are you saying? Why are you not doing anything? You know, this woman must die. She's guilty. We found her. We are witnesses. You know, whatever they may have said. They kept questioning him. And as they were questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, so he actually came from his bending position and stood up. And he said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. So, yeah, in other words, he didn't say, no, uh, I've brought grace, so she should not be stoned. Then they would have said, you have broken the law of Moses. He didn't even argue. He just said, okay. Those of you who have no sin, go ahead. And maybe this is exactly what he was writing. You know, I mean, of course, there's no explanation, so I I can't say for sure what he was writing, but I'm sure he was looking at all of these guys, especially those with a loud mouth, and he was writing, okay? He was writing their life story, okay? And uh, he knew exactly each and every character there. And then he stood up and he says, okay, those of you, who are without sin, go ahead. You have the right to execute judgment. So he kept the law of Moses. But interestingly, the people were puzzled. What to do with such a word of wisdom? Okay, now, Jesus was not even looking at their reaction. The Bible says, again, his important writing is. Okay? So next time you are getting accused, just write. Okay, next time you get pressure, just write. You know, learn from Jesus, write. You know, don't, don't argue with the, with the guys who want to squeeze you in a corner, but write. Okay, so Jesus said, okay. It's free for all. Those who have not sinned, you can go ahead. And Jesus wrote, At this, those who heard, and of course all of them heard that, okay, those who heard began to go away one at a time. Okay, so they stood as a crowd, you know, you know, crowd is always very strong because they can, they can push each other, you know, they can cheer each other up. Hey, we are going to do that. We are going to show him, you know, we are going to set a trap for him. We are going to make him fall. But then, Suddenly, Jesus managed to speak to them, to their hearts. So everyone was on his own. There was no more crowd mentality. But everybody had to now find an answer, what about me? And you know, Jesus spoke with such an authority that they realized we can't cheat him. If I throw a stone, He will tell me my guilt. Maybe he's going to announce in front of everybody what I have done. So nobody wanted to risk that. Okay? They could have repented, but they also didn't want to repent. So the Bible tells us that they began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Okay? Those who had a little bit more uh, learning, they realized here you can't argue. Okay? They looked at their life, they looked at their doings, you know, and they realized every one of them. I mean, if, if, if Jesus would tell us here, you know, if you have had, if you have no sin, you can, you can come here and, 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 and execute judgment. No one of us could come. Because the Bible tells us that we have all gone astray, all of us. And if you come and say, I, I can do it, then you are a liar again. That means you are already disqualified. So those who had more brain, okay, those who were more wise, those who were a bit older, they were the first ones who said, "Mm, I better get out of here. It's hot here. My, my, I'm standing on a very hot ground. My shoes are burning. And so they walked out, one after the other. Okay, eventually, even the young ones, the hot shots, they also left. So, Jesus had just been continuing writing, and eventually, in verse 9, the Bible says, at this, those who began go away one at a time, the old ones first, until Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there, alone, the woman standing, nobody there. So Jesus straightened up and asked a woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Okay, we know that we have an accuser, the devil. And sometimes, you know, we are allowing ourselves to be made tools in the hands of the devil. We become accusers, just like these people. Because the one who was really the accuser was the devil himself. You know, he's not only the accuser of those who are falling in sin, but even the accuser of the brethren. Now, this woman was was definitely not uh, without guilt. But Jesus was asking her, where are they who have condemned you? Is there nobody here to condemn you any further? Okay. And she had nothing to say but... No, sir, nobody. You know, I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know what was going on in her heart. I mean, she saw herself already uh, being, being falling under a heap of stone. Dying in a terrible way. But then she said, no, nobody has condemned me. Then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Wow, isn't that powerful? Neither do I condemn you. Was this woman guilty or not? Yes, she was guilty. Because that's what Jesus said. Jesus declared, Go now and live your life of sin. The one who could have condemned this woman was Jesus. Because he was righteous. He had never committed any sin. But he says, I'm not here to condemn, I'm here to save. Thank God. He has given his life, he has laid down his life so that all of us have life and have it in abundance. So we serve a God who has made himself known because he has written. And thank God, when we come to receive salvation from the hands of the Lord, then God is going to plot out Whatever wrong we have done in these books that have been written about us, and there will be a new story in the book of life about you and about me. And it is written. It is written. That's how important the writing is. And so today, I really want to you know, impress on you the importance of becoming writers. OK, whether you write a book for the world, That is a different question. Maybe some of you could. But even if you can't, write for yourself. And write for your family. Write for your children. Write for those who are close to you. And say, you know, this is what God has done for me. Because when you have written something, it's a very powerful testimony that you can give to others as well. If you forget, you forget. Writing is important. When Jesus was crucified... On the cross of Calvary, of course, we know that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were pushing Jesus to be, to be crucified. But they couldn't do it. They needed to have uh, the verdict of, Roman, of the Roman uh, uh, government. And so they went to Pilate, and Pilate could not find any guilt in Jesus. And so he wanted to release him, but they said that they threatened him if you are... If you are uh, letting him go, and you are not a friend of Caesar anymore. So in other words, they said, we are going to report you to your boss. And of course, Pilate was a weak man, so he was afraid. Even his wife had, had warned him, don't, don't, don't do anything to this man. But you know, he, he, was, uh, he was trying to, to please the crowds. He was a typical politician. Okay. So he said, okay, do with it, whatever you want. You know, the, he, he actually said, okay, I, 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 I've got a tradition, you know, every, every year at this time, we let somebody come out of prison, and there's Barabbas, and Barabbas was a criminal. And there's Jesus, and Jesus was a man who healed, you know, who raised people from the dead, who did a lot of good things. So you choose. And who did they choose? They chose the criminal. They said, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Pilate was asking, what should I do with him? And he said, crucify him, crucify him. And of course, there were people in the background who were steering people up. Then Pilate did something very interesting. Okay, Pilate wrote an inscription that he put on the cross. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you see a depiction of the cross, you see something is hanging up there. Uh, which is written, but actually he wrote something in three different languages, okay? In uh, 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 Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. These were the languages which were spoken at that time. So uh, all the three languages were put, were nailed to the cross and says, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. It was written. It's still written. So the people got annoyed. You know, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you know, they had finally got their way to to have Jesus crucified. And then they see, this is the king of the Jews. Of course, that was condemning them. Because they now knew that you have crucified the king of the Jews. And they went back to Pilate. Pilate. And they said to Pilate, Can you remove that? Or at least can you write? He claimed that he is the king of the Jews. And you know what Pilate said? I like that. What is written is written. So he was not going to change it. What I have written, I have written. And so, my dear friends, let us write the right things, the good things. And that has not changed him, even when pressure comes. You see, God is writing about our lives. He's writing all about us. You know, you you may think nobody knows me, nobody knows what I'm doing. Well, God knows everything. God knows our hearts. They are open before him. And if you are ashamed of what has happened and you don't want to see the stuff that has happened in your life in the past, then make sure that your name is written in the book of life. Because when your name is written down in the book of life, then all of the other things will be plotted out and will never be found anymore. God is a good God. So remember today's lesson. We need to start writing. God said, write down the revelation. Whatever you have learned, write it down. Even today, if you have learned anything, or two things, or three things, write them down. Okay, don't write on a piece of paper, which you can't find later anymore. Get the book. You know, start the journal, and write down. Okay? And then go back. You see, this is what I do. I've made books out of my my different uh, sermons and Bible studies, and I get encouraged. I remember exactly when God spoke certain things to me when I read. You know, if I just have a problem and I, I, I get a lot of pressure, I may not see it. But when I go back to what I have written, I get encouraged. I can say, ah, yes, I remember. You said this. I believe it. I'll stand in it. And it makes you strong. So don't be tossed back and forth by every wind that blows in our world today, but stand upon the word. And make sure that you take to heart the instruction that Jesus has given to his servants, to Moses to Joshua, to many of the other people like Paul and the other writers in the Gospels, or to John when he wrote the book of Revelation. And every time God said, write this down. There are only few instances where God says, don't write this. This one is still sealed up for the last time. Okay, But whatever God wanted you to know and whatever God wants us to know today, It is written in this book. So you are not in the dark. And you should not be discouraged. You should not walk pushed back and forth by the forces of this world. But you should be able to say, it is written. This is God's promise to me, and I keep it in my heart. And I present it in the presence of God and he will definitely make it come to pass. May God richly bless you. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for your word, the word that you had written for us. Lord, if we would have come in this generation into this world, without you having written anything in the past, we would not know. We would be lost. But Lord, you have given us your word, which is a guide, which is a light, which is the truth that guides us every step on our way. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you want us to become stronger, people who are stable, people who are able to face the temptations out there, whatever they are. And even speaking to the face of darkness, it is written. Just like you, Jesus, have done. So, Lord Jesus, we are grateful for this lesson that you have given us today. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to become people who write down the good things that you talk to us. Lord, that we are people who are going to research your word that we survey everything that you have said and begin to write it down so that we have a clear map that we follow in our life. Lord Jesus, let your hands be upon each and every one of us. Let us be encouraged. Lord, let us be strong. Let us be people of substance who can always be able to bring forth that which is written. We give you glory. and We say thank you, Lord, for the writing that you have given to us that gives us assurance of our salvation, that gives us assurance of your care, that gives us assurance of your guidance every single day. To you be the glory. And we say thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.